Listen, everybody wants the product, but nobody wants the process. We have to go through the process to get the product. What a powerful, powerful, life-transforming truth. His strength is perfect when our strength is gone. Everybody in the building that believes that, say amen. All right. Job chapter number one. I hope you believe that too. Written by the same person. Job one is where we are. Sister Wanda beat all of y'all standing up. She got up first. I, I guarantee you she, she woke up this morning and said, when I get to church, I'm going to be the first one standing up when he says, Job, you did it. You did it. Good job. Amen. Job chapter number one, pondering the question. Let's say it all together. Why do bad things happen to good people? Say it again. Why do bad things happen to good people? And everybody with your free hand, put your hand up if you've asked yourself that question, all right? If you haven't said the words, you've fought the notion and perhaps even thought about that concerning yourself. Feeling like, why is what is happening to me not happening to somebody else? Come on, somebody say amen if you have you have entered a trial and immediately thought, God, I could give you somebody better for it, all right? That's where we are sometimes. None of these cases in our lives would be more applicable to that notion than that of Job. And yet, if there was anybody who didn't deserve what he faced, it was Job. So let's watch him. Let's watch him go through trials, difficulties, perhaps with the same question floating in his mind that floats in ours. And let's see what Job did. Let's see if we can mimic Job's testimony in our own trials. We're in Job chapter number one, and we ended last week really stepping into Job's response to bad news, all right? How many have ever gotten bad news? All right, and Okay, and the, those of you that didn't say amen, I have bad news for you. You're a liar, all right? <laughs> okay, all right, let's try it again. How many of you have ever gotten bad news? Say amen. Yeah, we have. Now, I'm here to tell you on one of these last few nights in the month of February, you've not gotten your last bad news of your life. You're going to get more bad news. You know why? Because we live in a bad world. So, so don't spend all your life trying to avoid bad news. Spend your life responding properly to it. Amen. How are you going to respond to bad news? Let's watch this fellow respond to bad news. What do you mean bad news? His, his farm is messed up. His farmers are messed up. His flocks are, I'm not just messed up, I mean destroyed. His family, all 10 of his kids are dead. This is the bad news that Job got. Not in a lifetime, not in a week's time, not in a day's time, in one conversation. What is Job's response to the biggest tragedy of his life? Verse 20. Job arose, ran his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and worshiped. I'm going to read verse 21, but I need a few amens for that right there. Yeah. So worship's what he did, huh? Now, let's find out while he's worshiping what he said. Because you know I'm finding out? I'm finding out a lot of worship is fake. You know how you know it's fake? 
by the way they talk. Okay, a lot of people look the part of worship. You can tell that what they looked wasn't real because what they say with their lips doesn't validate what they did with their looks. Now listen to, listen to what Job, listen how worshipful people talk after tragedy. The naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord have taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now look at verse 22. In all this, somebody say, in all this. <laughs> Some of you come to church and I, oh, pastor, if you could see this stuff I'm going through, if you could see this stuff I'm dealing with, if you could see this, this situation I'm in, right, if you could see. Hey, listen, I may not be able to see it. My question is, how are you responding in all this? In all this. Listen to the next three words. Job, send not. Talk to me. Say that again. Job, mm. nor charged God foolishly. Could, could we not preach a whole series of messages on charging God foolishly? Hmm. That means getting mad at God and blaming God and telling God, you shouldn't have done this to me. Now I got an attitude with you because you treated me wrongfully. You let something happen to me that shouldn't happen. That's called charging God foolishly, and if anybody had a human excuse to do so was Job, he didn't, which eliminates our excuses as well. Let the church say amen. Father, for the next few moments, would you cleanse me, empty me, and fill me? Speak to your people here, there, and abroad, and then, Father God, what we hear, help us to heed right now in our lives where we are to be better Christians for thee. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for standing. So last week we, we looked at this man named Job. And, and remember, the, the first part of our, our lesson talked about Job's stellar description. In other words, we, we outlined who Job, Job was before we went into what Job faced. Okay? And so, ladies and gentlemen, it's important, beloved, to make sure you're who you're supposed to be so you can encounter what you end up facing. You cannot become who you're supposed to be when the trial shows up. You need to be that when the trial shows up. So we looked at the stellar description of Job to see exactly what was going on in Job's life. But we, we went beyond the stellar description of Job to see exactly what Job faced by way of his severe Distress, And if ever distress was severe, it was the distress of Job. How many of you know that it's possible in life to call our situation severe when they're really not that severe? To some people, severity is breaking a nail. To some people, severity is getting in a traffic jam. To some people, severity is their ball team losing a big game. To some people... Severity is going to the refrigerator, dreaming about your favorite bowl of cereal, only to find out there is no milk. Some people call that severity. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but sometimes we call real bad real bad when it's really not real bad compared to people who really have it bad. Somebody say amen. 
Job's case was none of exaggeration. Turn to your neighbor and say, it was real bad. It's real bad. And last week, we looked into Scripture and watched him hear about it on just an ordinary day. Watched him hear about it. Now, now remember, he, he gets into this situation because in the spiritual arena where God is, there's a satanic adversary called the devil that shows up stirring up stuff. And this satanic adversary, this, this, this devil who's the enemy of God with his crazy activity opposing and accusing God's people is looking for somebody to mess with and God gives them specific attention by saying, hey, this is the one you should mess with. Why not consider my servant Job? So, so Job is presented by God to the devil as a good target for attack. Some of you missed that. I said Job is presented by God to the devil as a good target for attack. I'm asking you, beloved, tonight, can God submit your name to Satan as a good target to attack, knowing that even if he gives the devil permission to attack you, he will not prevail because your character outlasts your crises. And so the silly assumption of the devil is that Job will only serve God because things are well. And God in his sovereign allowance says, okay, go ahead. You go at him. You go at him and you'll find out he's for real. And so here comes the devil with sudden adversity. It is the attack of Satan. Now, now, now listen. Some people's problems are not adversity from the devil. Some people's problems are chastisement from God. I wish somebody say amen. Hebrews chapter 12, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. In other words, God said, earthly fathers discipline their sons, and so does this heavenly father. Now, listen, don't quit singing he's a good, good father just because you get blessings. He's a good, good father when you get a beating too. Because his beating is trying to keep you from wrecking your own. Somebody help me preach tonight. I know it's Wednesday, but y'all got some amens in you. Amen. He's just as good in the beatings as he is in the blessings because love drives them both. And so, so but, but Job is not being chastised. Job is being attacked. And the adversity includes his flocks, his farmers, his finances, and his family. So last week we, we began and we'll finish tonight because I'm going to hasten through it to make sure we get through this chapter. Because I think it's important. I think it's important to decide now that I'm going to walk with God. So when the adversity shows up, now, now listen. Be careful, be careful, because before adversity can be an enhancer, adversity is an exposer. Some of you missed it. Write it down so you won't miss it when you get home, all right? right? And so I won't forget it next week, and then you can tell me what I said, all right? Before adversity can become an enhancer, adversity is an exposer, huh? In other words, before it makes you better, it's going to show who you already are. And so, so I'm, I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging you if you're, if you're enduring or experiencing a happy season in your Christian life, if you're in a season of blessing, if you're in a season of prosperity, if you're in a season of good health, if you're in a season of good marriage, if you're in a season of, of times where things are 
coming in well in your Christian life. It would behoove you as a believer to spend your time giving attention to character, to walking with God. I'm talking about you better quit trying to find a Bible when the phone call comes with bad news, and you better read your Bible every single morning. Somebody listen tonight. You better quit just praying to God when you got a dial 911, and you better get up every morning and say, thank you for waking me up. I need you when the bad call doesn't come. I need you when I'm on the mountaintop so I'll know how to call you when I'm down. Somebody help me preach tonight. You better learn how to walk with God because there is no protection in the midst of crisis that supersedes the value and the depth and the treasure of walking with God. So, so Job's response to sudden adversity is sincere adoration. Sincere. I'm talking about real deal. I'm talking about real deal worship. Now listen, you only learn the sincerity of worship by whether you do it when it's not convenient. See, see you don't understand the, the, the tremendous vantage point of being on the platform that is provided to the pastor. You, you, you just, you, you, you watch and you watch the response and too much, listen, you're straight up preaching on a Wednesday night. Too much of our worship is generated by convenience. I mean, I can just tell. I mean, something happened this week in my life, but I can see people wave. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All it takes is one phone call and the hand act like it's stuck now. Come on. You know, some of you know I'm preaching to you. Now, now there's something wrong. See, see, there's nothing wrong with that if we were talking about the way you cheer for your team. Because you don't scream yay when your quarterback throws a, an interception. You don't clap for the running back when he fumbles. You don't go woo-woo-woo for, the, for the, the man covering him when he gets beat on a long touchdown. You don't cheer the team when they're not doing well because they don't deserve to be cheered when they didn't do well. But you don't quit cheering God because there's never a moment in time when he's not doing well. So when our worship becomes temperamental, Based on our circumstances, it is an exposure to the fact that what we were doing, in fact, wasn't worship at all. His displayed passion in his worship. What do you mean? He showed he was hurt. He ran his mantle and shaved his head, verse number 20. Why? That's what you do when you're mourning. That's what you do when your heart's broken. That's what a daddy does when he's lost his kids. That's what a business, the businessman does when he's lost all of his income. That's what a farmer does when he's lost all of his flocks and farmers. There's nothing wrong with human beings reacting in an in adverse way when they go through difficult situations. And I love the fact that the Bible is not a fantasy book that shelters us from the reality of humanity. Job shaved his head and rent his mantle because he was a broken man. And there's nothing wrong with being broken. But brokenness does not hinder worship unless you let it. I love that song my wife sings about a broken hallelujah. 
Maybe God has brought us to Job to actually realize what the song is about. When all I can sing is a broken hollow. In other words, here's what God is saying. I don't just want your stuff when you got it all together. When you got pieces scattered all around, just give me your pieces. Worship isn't about looking the part and sounding good and just singing the song. It's about giving God whatever you have, even when it ain't much. Listen to me. A hundred percent of a little is the same percentage as a hundred percent of a lot. The issue is not how much you have. The issue is that God has all of it. Now, his deliberate posture, beloved, his deliberate posture. I, I said he worshiped. Now, what is, what is the posture of his worship? He fell down and worshiped. This is a posture, not, not just a physical one. No, 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 no. no. This, this is a posture that's a spiritual one. He, it's, it's not just about where his knees were. It's about where his heart was. It's, it's not just about where his head was. It's about where his soul was. It's not just about how he looked on the outside. It's, it's about how he was looking on the inside. It's, it's, it's not just about the Job, the man, bowing down. It's about, it's about Job, the spirit. Bowing. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to tell you there's so much to our posture on the inside that allows the proper posture on the outside. I'm asking you when you come to church, are you bowing inside? Are you on your knees inside? See, it's possible to be waving your hand on the outside, but sitting on the throne on the inside. The posture is he, listen, the posture is according to the Bible, he fell down to the ground. He hit the ground. Listen, listen, when, when you go through a difficult situation and you can't figure out why this happened, why this loved one passed away, why this person treated you bad, why this friend left you out for dry, why this situation happened to you, why this prayer request is still on the list, why this doctor read you this good news, when you can't figure out, listen, I'm saying instead of directing your passion to try to change stuff that you cannot change, direct your passion to do something that is within your power. Get down and worship. His deliberate posture is driven, if you would, by his discerning perspective. Look at verse 21. What do you mean discerning? I mean, I mean, there, I mean there's wisdom in worship. Anybody hear that? I said there's wisdom in worship. See, see, Here's the problem with crises. Here's the problem with adversity. Here's the problem with calamity when it shows up on the doorstep of someone that's not walking with God. That adversity, calamity, trial, and difficulty takes an already substandard thinking Christian and spins him further into absurdity. Watch this now. See, when trials come... See, if you're not level-headed before a trial come, you certainly ain't going to be level-headed when it, nobody listen to me tonight. I'm talking about, listen, I'm talking about if, if, if you are scared of a thunderstorm when you're in your house, you certainly going to fall apart if it starts flashing lightning when you're on an airplane. You listen to me. I'm saying if you run from a chihuahua, you're liable to pass out in the presence of a Rottweiler. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you can't handle pitter-patter, you're not going to be ready for tsunami. I'm saying if you can't read your Bible on the mornings when everything's going good, you sure ain't going to read it when things going bad. You, you listen, I'm just trying to tell you, Job hit the ground when he got the bad news because he'd been hitting the ground when he had good news too. 
So, so I'm asking you, are you practicing worship? Huh? Are you practicing worship or are you perpetrating worship? Because the test, remember, the test is the teacher's way to evaluate your learning. Trials, otherwise known as tests, is God's way to evaluate your learning. See, see, we think God brings his clipboard out. Well, let, I mean, God's, we've got to give God a little more advanced than that, all right? God brings his iPad out. We think that God brings his iPad out on Sunday morning and scans the crowd and says, let me see who the best worshipers are. Let's see whose hands are up. Let's see who's ha- let's see who's clapping on B. Let's see whose foot is stomping. Let's see who's sal- saying the loudest amen. He goes, oh, yeah, there we go. Good worshipers. Truth of the matter is, no, no, no. Evaluation doesn't come on Sundays. That's the easy time to worship. It's better for him to bring the iPad out when you lose your job, when your bills get funny, when your friends get few, when the doctor gives you bad news, when stuff ain't going your way. That's when we find out whether you worship God for God. Amen. Here's his discerning perspective. This is why he could keep worshiping in bad news. Here's his discerning perspective. I didn't have nothing when I got here. I ain't going to take nothing when I leave here. If I got it, God gave it. If he gave it, he can take it. So blessed be the name of the Lord. Now listen, it's ABC Christianity, but listen to me. If you don't know your ABCs, you're certainly not going to manage to grasp them when you're taking an exam. Where is our perspective? Where is the discernment in long-tenured believers when trials come? Y'all heard me say it all the time. The woman always falls in the woods when she's getting chased by the guy on Lifetime. And you're thinking to yourself, ma'am, if ever you didn't fall, don't fall now. There's a crazy man behind you. Watch your step. Don't, there's a stick there. Step over it. Twist it. You've been turning that door every single day left to unlock it. Why, when the man is behind you, are you turning right? What did you do? Put the key in the ignition. Turn it. Put your foot on the brake. Shift it. Put your foot on the accelerator. Back out and get out of there. Why are you sitting there trying to find the key? Trying j- 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 because, because we lose our minds in crisis. It's almost like he got better thinking in crisis. That's why Patrick Mahomes keep winning the Super Bowl. It's, it's like the beginning of the year. All of the pundits, oh, this is not his year. They've fallen off. He just don't look the same. This team is just not that good. They keep dropping the ball. He ain't playing the same way. They didn't learn how to figure him out. I tell you what, he's just getting normal like everybody else. And then the playoffs came. 
and Popeye ate his spinach, and Clark Kent went to the phone booth. And all of a sudden, he gets to the game, and the bigger the stage, the better he plays. Ladies and gentlemen, that ain't luck. That's years and years of discipline, getting up every day, throwing the same pass, running the same routes, doing the same practice, engaging in the same disciplines, repeating the same fundamentals so that when it's tough, the tough get, you can't get, listen, you can't win championships on luck. You can hit a half-court shot and win a trip to Disney World in the middle of a basketball game on luck. You can't win a championship on luck because the stakes are too high. Listen to me. You can fumble into looking spiritual for one church service on luck, but you cannot worship God in the midst of deep, dark trials unless you've been practicing every single day worshiping God. And it's, it's, it's perspective that generates praise. Huh? Do you see that? His discerning perspective. Now look down at his praise now. He, here's, his, here's his perspective. His, his perspective is the Lord gave. The Lord have taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, so no, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to pray. Look, look, look. I know this is so deep. And it really isn't. So you know, some of you say, duh. But didn't I tell you in crisis, we lose our mind. Stuff that's duh is not duh when we go through crisis. Listen, we don't know regular stuff when we're under pressure because pressure makes us lose all of the rare common sense that we barely had in the first. Listen to me now. It, listen, if you can't, if you can't worship God in the crowd of believers on Sunday, you are not going to worship God by yourself on Monday. But here's the, listen, here's what Job had to come to reality about. Listen to me. It wasn't mine. I didn't, I didn't arrive here with anything. I'm not going to leave here with anything. Everything I got, he gave me. So if he gave it to me, it's his. And if he had the right to give it to me, he's got the right to take it away from I'm simply saying, quit singing the blues about your stuff. Your narrative is wrong. It ain't your stuff. That means your loved ones, your children, your job, your resources, when you're telling God, how could you take my dot, 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 no wonder you're not worshiping. You're writing a, an entirely false narrative. Nothing belongs to us. How do I keep praising when I lose stuff? You keep praising when you lose stuff by reminding yourself that the stuff you lost wasn't yours, no way. And then notice, if you would, what I call disciplined perseverance. And by the way, the praise is blessed be the name of the Lord. Say that with me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Watch this now. Blessed be the name. You know, you know what I mean? He should be blessed. He should be adored. He should be praised. He should be done favorably. Listen to me. Every single day of the week, blessed be the name of the Lord. Listen. I'm talking about cancer diagnosis. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Loss of a job. Bless. Come on. You, no, no, no. I say it, and I'll tell you the circumstance. You say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Cancer diagnosis. Loss of a job. 
Loved one passes away, get lied on. I can't really hear what you sound like. You sound okay, so you got to say with a little more enthusiasm. Everybody with me? Your friends turn on you. Your enemies get on your nerves. Your money gets funny. You get sick. You get mistreated. Because nothing bad that happens to you did God do. Now, here's the discipline, perseverance, and I'm done. In all this, say it again, in all this. Job said no. No charge, God. But this is discipline, perseverance. We, we, I, mean, I mean, he praised God when it first happened, but the next verse tells us that his praise didn't just end the night it happened. Verse, verse, verse 22 says there was a discipline in his perseverance. In other words, the reaction of Job became a continued routine of Job. He checked himself. The implication here in Job 1.22 is this, that spirituality is not just the Christian being puppeteered by God, but the Holy Ghost is just doing strings, and you just you just fall asleep in the will of God, and you just wake up at the end of the week and go, I don't know how I did all them righteous things. I just I just I just laid down in the sin of God's will, and God took the strings and controlled my life, and I just done walk with God all week and don't know how. It ha- no, 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 no. You don't get off the hook. Spirituality is not just God taking control. Spirituality is God taking control to a person who, in continuous is yielded to his control. And to eliminate, to eliminate the essence of discipline from a Christian's life and say, all I got to do is just lay down in the arms of Jesus and he'll make me have a good week in Jesus' name. No, no, no. You ought to lay down in the arms of Jesus, but sometimes it ain't lying down. Sometimes it's saying, God, I'm going to trust you, and it's getting up and going out there and doing something with the enabling power of the Holy Ghost of God. That means checking your mouth. Something bad happens to you, and you're ready to go. Bible says, and all this. You think Job is just, just, just some little robot, lost his, all 10 of his kids, his farms and flocks and everything, and, and God just took him as a little robot and hit a button and said, praise God, Job. And Job went, blessed be the name of the Lord. I've just lost everything, but I still love God because the program in my mind told me to love God, and that's what I do because I do what the program tells. No, 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 no. There were times when old flesh Job wanted to say something he shouldn't have said, but he said, God's too good for this mouth to go off the hook. Hush, boy. In all this, Job said, no. Nor charge God who. I'm telling you, your saved, sanctified self is going to have to check yourself. And when crisis comes, you better make sure you don't get loose-lipped with the one who's your biggest ally in all this. Job said not, nor charge God foolishly. Ladies and gentlemen, 
as much as worship involves devotion, it also involves discipline. And you, when you won't grab the reins of your own brains and say, you ain't about to go blaming God when he didn't do anything to you, then expect to be blaming God when he didn't do anything to you. And don't tell yourself that God let your mind go crazy. You let your mind go crazy because he's been too good for you not to check your own self. Amen? Father, thank you. Touch your people and use the Bible to strengthen us. Pastor, all over the building, Pastor, God has spoken to me. Would you raise your hand? God has spoken to me. I, he's working on me, and I want to let him. I want to let him. That's all of us, isn't it? Works in progress. May God help his people. Father, we love you and we bless you. We magnify your name. Thank you for the church house and your people's opportunity to be in it tonight. We love you, we bless you, we magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being in the house of God. I hope you're glad you came. Look forward to seeing you on Sunday morning. Everybody, all of you in here, everybody listening in. Sunday school, 945, worship service, 11 o'clock. We look forward to being in together. Amen.